This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Good morning and welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be talking with Donna Kane. Now, she's the executive director of the Peace Liard Regional Arts Council. She is also the recent recipient of the uh, Good... Oh, I have it written right here. <laughs> uh, she, uh, good Citizenship Medal. There it is. Uh, so we're going to talk to her about that and uh, how it feels to be the recipient of it. And, of course, uh, a bit about her career as an arts artist and arts administrator. But first, uh, somebody who's been on the show before to talk a bit about the vaccine rollout in Northern Health and just how it's going in terms of uh, COVID-19 in general. Joined now by Aaron Collins, uh, a communications officer with uh, Northern Health. Aaron, thank Thank you again for being on Moose Talks once again. No problem, anytime. All right, so why don't we start with uh, the Fort St. John Vaccination Clinic, which uh, opened on Monday. They had a few hiccups uh, with computer systems, and, and I guess there were some double bookings as well that we'd uh, heard about. Uh, have those issues, as far as you know, all, all been resolved at this time? Yeah, they largely have. Um, Last week, we were in the process, as I'm sure a lot of people will know, uh, of switching over to the provincial system for both registering um, to be notified when you're able to book a vaccine and for um, actually booking your vaccine. And so there were some challenges in in that switchover. There there typically are when technology is involved. Um, It it was unfortunate. There were uh, some people um, impacted. The teams have been working really hard to rebook anyone who was affected. And so we absolutely appreciate um, the public's patience in that regard. Excellent. Um, we were also a little surprised to find out earlier this week that registrations for people 40 and over are opening on Monday. That kind of came down from 50 and over as the week went on. And it's an accelerated process, as we we assumed. Uh, for example, Adam and I, uh, the boss, were kind of in that 35 to 40-year-old range. Uh, we thought it would be end of May before we'd be getting our vaccines. And uh, it's you know, registration anyway is uh, at least a full month earlier there. Uh, why was that process accelerated? Well, I'm not going to tell anyone how old I am and whether or not I'm eligible yet. But uh, it's it's a combination of a couple of things. In the north, we've we've had a condensed schedule even before that provincial booking system opened up for um, for eligibility to be able to book a vaccine, and that's largely simply because we have fewer people um, in the north and we have fewer people in the specific age based uh, demographic groups that um, were eligible. So we've had a condensed schedule pretty much um, since the start, but then provincially, it's also somewhat ahead of schedule in terms of the ability to register and to book an appointment. So yes, I believe as of today, and I, and I don't want to get it wrong, the best um, confirmation would be on, on either our website at your community level information for the clinics um, or the provincial website in terms of who is able to register at this time and then for whom um, people are, are getting notifications back that it's time for them to book. Is it going to slow down now? Because generally Fort St. John is a younger-ish population, people closer to my age who have families and whatnot. It's going to slow down now because now we've kind of reached the part of the population that's probably by far the largest in the piece? Well, 
I think it's so. There's a few things happening. Um, we do have in some communities in the piece where it's a it's a whole community approach because of the size of the community or the community is more remote, has less access to nearby healthcare services and just the logistics around um, clinic planning. But the vaccine supply is also a, a major consideration in this as well. So we we think it's likely that we'll be able to move through an accelerated schedule for registering and the ability to then book an appointment by those incremental age ranges in the coming weeks in those communities where it's not currently full community or, or over 18. Um, it is related to the ongoing vaccine supply and the planning that has to take place based on the numbers of people that we know are eligible at any given time and the number of appointments that we can book based on the vaccine supply that we have. But that's why it's really important and we want to encourage people to register ahead of time um, as they're eligible because that's going to give us a better idea in advance of who wants the vaccine and, and what type of clinic capacity we might need to plan for. And then as well, if there's a need and we move through a particular age group um, more quickly than expected, then we'll have those registrations on hand from that provincial system to then potentially be able to bump down into the next eligible age group to make sure that we're keeping our clinics running at full capacity based on, on the vaccine that we have on hand. Now, we've also heard uh, there's some lag time, which is to be expected, between registering for your vaccine and then uh, actually getting a phone call to schedule uh, your vaccine. Uh, for example, again, just talking in our office, and this is just our experience, um, some people in an older age group were surprised that they were allowed to register, and then our age group came up, or an age group closer to ours, and they still haven't been phoned about uh, scheduling a vaccine. So what should we be expecting, uh, people expecting, in terms of the time between registering or when registrations open up for their age group and getting a phone call to schedule the vaccine and actually getting it. Is there kind of a ballpark how much time that should be taking? Yeah, that I think probably depends on, on a number of things. And of course, um, we know that it can't happen fast enough for a lot of people, um, but it's it's based on the vaccine supply that we have coming into the North and, and the number of appointments that are, are being booked. Um, I don't know if there's a if there's a set turnaround time or, or target. Some of the of the weight between registering and booking will be related to how long it takes for we to, for us to get to that eligibility group for booking and actually administering the vaccine. Okay, one final question on this: um, Is there any indication of uh, this maybe being accelerated in part because? the uh, the modeling on how it was going to be done or whatever, assume this many people would be eligible for the vaccine, but this many people are actually getting it. Is, is there been, I, I guess for lack of a better way of asking, has there been a sizable part of the population that so far has either because they've chosen not to or just haven't gotten around to it, not gotten the vaccine when they were able to do so in terms of what uh, kind of their, when their age group came up? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that in particular. I know that there is, we're going to start getting some additional data around what the immunization rates are um, around the around the province and by health authority and by local health area. That's something that the province and the health authorities are working on a, a more standardized way to report that out. And we expect that'll be available within the next few weeks. At this point, it looks like we're at about 30% of the population over the age of 18 overall across the Northern Health region that have been immunized. That does vary from community to community. Um, and, and so we're, we're really keen to 
um, see the enthusiasm and, and that people are eager to be immunized because that ideally would translate into, into high uptake and vaccine coverage rates. So if, if people can get registered and, and we know what we're going to need to have in terms of capacity and vaccine supply for getting the age groups that we move through um, immunized, that's, that's a really important step for people to take. Now, you did touch on this already, but I, I thought we'd talk about one more time again. Um, as, I, as you said, even, uh, some communities in the piece are, are an even more uh, accelerated timeline than uh, Fort St. John is. Uh, for example, Chetwin and Hudson's Hope, uh, vaccines are available for adults aged 18 and plus and now to register for and uh, hopefully get. And uh, I was uh, living in Chetwin for some time. I know some people who are close to my age who have their shots already. Uh, so... W- can you kind of explain why that would be that a community that's smaller was able to accelerate so much faster than Fort St. John? Is it just that they got they had a bigger supply of vaccines or the better infrastructure or more people able to get the shots out faster? Is, is that the case? No, not necessarily. There's the whole community approach is what uh, is what it's referred to as, and and it's something that's happening in a number of places around the province. Probably more communities just by number in the north, but it's based on on a number of factors or or a combination of them. But largely, it's related to population size and and the remoteness of a community, what type of accessibility they have to healthcare services, but then the logistics around um, clinic planning with the vaccine supply that we know is coming in, where it makes sense to immunize a community all at once and not be returning multiple times to immunize smaller groups of people by age range. Um, and that it's an approach that can also be taken to, to address, you know, outbreaks or clusters as we've seen happen in communities around the province. I want to talk a bit about the self piece now for a few minutes, because at least uh, according to the information we're getting, um, they're having a harder time than the North piece in general. There's more cases per capita, um, so much so that the mayor of Dawson Creek has publicly mused about asking, um, I believe, the public health officer for an accelerated vaccine rollout uh, in his community specifically. But I imagine it would affect a lot of communities in the South piece. Um, how prepared is Northern Health to deal with a situation like that if it comes down uh, from the PHO that, yeah, we'd like to accelerate a timeline in a community as big as Dawson Creek? Um, Are you guys kind of ready for something like that, have a plan in place for how that would happen? I think the infrastructure is definitely there and the and the support would be brought to bear to to do something like that if it was needed. We have seen it happen elsewhere in the province, I think, um, Whistler being one example um, currently. Uh, it, it is very much related to um, to the vaccine supply and, and getting folks registered, knowing how many people we would have to immunize. I know that our, our public health officials, our medical health officers, as well as the provincial health office are keeping a, a really close eye on areas of the province where there is ongoing um, high case rates and and making assessments in terms of what can be done to uh, to tackle those. And and I yeah, we've all seen the maps that show uh, at the local health area level um, where some of the more harder hit areas are at this time. It's it's not just about the vaccine um, rollout though. In terms of of addressing that, our first line of defense, as I think the minister and and Dr. Henry have said repeatedly, is that. We all still need to be following the public health guidelines for helping to bring those case numbers down as well. And that's whether or not you've received um, your vaccine. It's still really important that we're, you know, maintaining safe distances, um, keeping social uh, interactions to a minimum 
and, and following those stronger provincial health orders that are, are in place and remain in place at this time, um, the sort of circuit breaker additions that they made to the provincial restrictions, because that's another um, major measure in, in reducing the amount of COVID activity that's happening in any given place. Um, yesterday, one of the other things that kind of came down is they talked about in some areas, for example, transmission was happening due to kind of manufacturing workplaces, for example. Uh, but in other areas of the province, it was due to restaurants and bars or that's where it was happening anyway. Uh, do we have any sense of, of uh, kind of a breakdown of how it's happening in the peace, in the south peace, in the north, where maybe trans- community transmission is happening uh, specific to workplace sectors? I don't, and that wasn't a level of detail um, that was provided for the North in yesterday's briefing. I think um, we're probably uh, similar in some cases to other regions in terms of where our contact tracing and contact management teams are are noting uh, where transmission is occurring. Um, it's just it's really important that uh, that people be aware of the kind of connections and uh, social interactions that they're that they're making and. And keeping in mind the provincial restrictions that are in place that are aimed directly at at reducing transmission, not just in the overall community, but in some of those particular settings. And finally, has there been any kind of conversation, and, and, and I'm not sure if this happens on the northern health level at all, but about regional restrictions? Because so far through this pandemic, it's been, I think, all kind of province-wide this is what's happening but again for example the north piece at the moment has seemingly less cases than the south piece so has there been a conversation about maybe um having more regional controls so in places where it's happening worse they have uh, harsher restrictions than a place where it's not happening so bad I think enforcement of that would be a challenge, frankly, because we know that people move and the virus moves with them. Um, there, there are no regional level restrictions uh, in place in in the north or or in any health authority um, that I'm aware of off the top of my head. Um, those provincial restrictions are province wide. Um, I wouldn't want anyone thinking that because we're we're way up here uh, that that we're somehow either immune to or or not covered by those restrictions. We very much are. And, and those are measures that have been put in place at a provincial level to, to protect everyone. All right, Aaron. Well, I re- really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to us today about this. Thank you again. No problem. Anytime. Have a great day. All right. That's Aaron Collins with Northern Health. Uh, we'll be right back to talk to Donna Kane right after this on Moose Talks. Over the past two decades, Arctech Welding and Machining has evolved from welding and machining to Northern BC's go-to for custom steel and fabrication services, no matter the project, big or small. We offer structural steel fabrication with our 8-axis Vortman beamline, a computerized plasma torch, accommodating plates up to 8 by 24 feet. Our fleet of portable welding trucks come to you. Plus, we offer repairs, sandblasting, painting, and more. Check out our latest projects and start planning yours at arctech-welding.com. The North Peace Leisure Pool has a variety of activities and programs happening throughout the year. This month, there's plenty happening at the pool for the whole family. Here's what's coming up. The Stay Safe program teaches youth the importance of responsibility and respect and how to recognize and respond to unexpected situations such as home emergencies, strangers, and unanticipated visits. For the full schedule of programs and activities at the North Peace Leisure Pool, visit the city's website at fortstjohn.ca. 
Hey there, this is Ayla from Friendly Pets Grooming. Did you know there's more advantages to cutting your dog's nails other than the sweet sound of silence of no clicking on your floors? There are many reasons to keep your partner in crime's nails manicured. Keeping the nails short prevents future or worsening arthritis. It also helps prevent splay foot, which, if left long enough, could lead to surgery to fix. So that $10 nail trim could save you thousands in the long run. Short nails also ensure that your dog is comfortable, as long nails can become embedded into the paw pads or become broken and chip causing bleeding and sensitivity. So bring your dog down to Friendly Pets every Tuesdays and Thursdays from 3 to 4 and Saturdays 11 to 2 for their walk-in pedicure. Driving, staying warm, working outdoors. Things that are uh things that are more challenging in winter. Okay, UTV rentals, two-way radio cell boosters. Uh, things you can get at TNT Communications. In the winter months, everything can be a little more challenging. While TNT Communications can't change the weather, they can help you be prepared out there with UTV rentals, two-way radios, communication towers, and even cell boosters for your truck, house, or work site. TNT Communications in Fort St. John, your bell source in the peace. Watch this show live on Facebook or download the podcast at energeticcity.ca. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're going to talk to somebody who has just been awarded the Medal of Good Citizenship. She's also the executive director of the uh, Peace Liard Regional Arts Council. Uh, she's also a poet and an artist in her own right. It's Donna Kane who joins us now from Rolla. Donna, thank you so much for being on Moose Talks today. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, so I want to start uh, with the medal itself. First of all, congratulations, of course, on winning. Um, what does recognition like this mean to you when it's kind of essentially on a provincial level recognition that you're getting? Well, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I have to say, like, the process for this medal um, is you are nominated. So... Um, while the medal is, is such a huge honor, I'm, I'm just as humbled by the fact that there were community members that um, chose to, to nominate me and support the, support the application. So, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows how many community builders we have in this region. So I'm, I'm one of many. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, again, as much that the community felt I was... Uh, worthy of this award as much as the award itself. Did you know you had been nominated before you found out that that you were going to receive it? I I did because they require certain uh, information from from those that they're yeah. So I knew, but it was a long time ago that I was uh, knew I had been nominated, and so when I got the call from Victoria, I was really surprised and yeah. Extremely honored. Out of curiosity, uh, who calls you from Victoria when you when you win a medal like this? Is it uh, somebody in the government or, or somebody from the committee? Um, it was the ministry of whichever the awards <laughs> ministry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what uh, sort of stream that was, but it was yeah. It was a, a woman from the from the ministry. Wonderful. Well, let's talk about uh, yeah. some of the many reasons uh, you were nominated and, and are, uh, have received this. Um, how long would you say you've been working in the arts? Oh, um, well over 20 years. Um, the Northeast BC has always had a very rich arts culture, heritage environment. So, um, you know, when I was younger, 
I attended a lot of the the things that were being organized. And then when I started to see, um, you know, just certain areas that didn't have as much uh, opportunities for artists, um, particularly the literary arts, then I just kind of decided that, you know, I would I would try and and help out with those uh, those needs that I saw that that weren't being as well addressed as others. So I started out with um, creating a reading series, and that was well over twenty years ago. And since then, I've probably had oh probably getting close to two hundred uh, writers who came from across the country and supported by the Canada Council for the Arts. So that was kind of my first little step into it and then since then I started organizing um, more multidisciplinary events like uh, the Muscoa Chica artist camps and and that sort of thing so yeah I've been at it a long time. Is that uh, about 20 years been uh, about how long you've been with the Peace Liard Regional Arts Council? Uh, no um, with the Regional Arts Council it's, it's only been the last six years prior to that I worked at the Northern Lakes College so um, when I stepped down from my position at college, I, I thought, well, here's a here's an opportunity to continue the volunteer work that I had been doing anyway on the side, but do it in a more, I guess, uh, sort of formal environment. So, yes, it's the first sort of paid position <laughs> I've, I've had in, in over 20 years. And as anyone knows, nonprofits aren't exactly a way to get rich, but they, they make you rich in a lot of other ways. They certainly do. Uh, Words North, one of the things uh, you've uh, helped uh, 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 kind of make and, and, and make great uh, and uh, is specifically on the uh, government website. They mentioned the projects you uh, helped bring to the fore uh, in kind of commemoration of the 75th anniversary of the Alaska Highway construction. Uh, that CD uh, the Alaska Highway song still on sale uh, in many different places around here, featuring lots of great local artists. Um, where did you come up with the idea to do something like this? Was it all kind of in your head, or were people sort of feeding you like, hey, maybe we could do this? Uh, was it a collaboration? Uh, it was definitely a collaboration. I mean, some of those projects, we did a lot of projects during uh, 2017, but I would say uh, Sue Popescu who we're all like still missing so much. I mean, she she was a spark plug in the Peace Liard Regional Arts Council. And I, what would happen, like say with the public art sculpture, I, I would have this idea. My original idea was a kind of a take objects from the building of the highway and have artists sort of repurpose them into art. And Sue always goes like many steps farther. And so she called me one day after I mentioned this idea and she's like, you know what? I got a whole trencher. I was like, oh, okay. So now this project is way bigger than what I imagined it. So now I would say Sue uh, was an instigator to a lot of those projects that I then carried out under their direction. Now, having uh, Lawrence Hill come up here, that was uh, another one of the things specifically mentioned. Uh, He uh, wrote the Book of Negroes. Uh, which was a huge deal when it came out. Uh, I, I'm blanking on the date, but some time ago now. Uh, again, I mean, was that an idea that he had and you worked with him, or was that a, we want to invite you to come up? There's a bunch of history here that uh, I think you'd be very interested in. It, that was like just kind of a, a, a very lucky coincidence because I just happened to be reading about which writers were at the uh, Pierre Burton residency up in Whitehorse and I noticed that one was Lawrence Hill and I read that he was working on 
a novel about the black American soldiers who worked on the Alaska highway. Mm. So I just, I just emailed him and said, Hey, if you're coming through ever, just let me know because maybe I can help connect you to different people along the highway and maybe we could do some readings. And he got back to me right away. And, and uh, yeah, we were, worked together to create those readings and they were like jam packed. Like there was, there was standing room only all the way up the highway. He did several readings up the highway. So yeah, that too was just something that I happened upon and thought, well, what the heck I'll give him, I'll send him a message and see what happens. <laughs> and that book that he's working on, I think will be out, um, I think next year. So yeah. Wonderful. Do you know, if it's, is it going to be like an, a, a fictional account of it, if I could use that word, or is it going to be a kind of a more yes. of a historical? It'll be like historical fiction. Wonderful. And, um, he, but a lot of the, I mean, it was just really, I think lucky for both of us because we got this great reading tour out of it. But at the same time, I was able to help him connect with a lot of the local residents that I that I knew, so I think it, it benefited us both. Wonderful. I want to make sure I talk about this before I let you go. Um, you've helped a lot of artists. You kind of uh, make things happen, help people get where they need. You're an artist yourself. You're a poet. Uh, I believe you've got three collections. You might have more. I apologize if I'm wrong on that, but I wanted to know what inspires you uh, about this place that uh, certainly before I moved here, uh, I certainly thought that this kind of area of, of British Columbia was best known for oil and gas and agriculture, maybe a little bit of forestry. What inspires you to write poetry uh, and, and be an artist in a place like this? Well, I was I was born here, so I have lived here all my life so far. And um, yeah, so it's, it's, it, it is my home. And I think because of uh, so much industry going on that it's really important that we uh, don't lose touch with what I believe uh, makes a community healthy and well, and that is arts and culture. And so I've always I've always written ever since I, I learned how to write. So I've been writing all my life and um, also I've done some visual art and quite a few other things I've tried. So, yeah, I know I know that my uh, poetry is definitely inspired by the material world. So the environment in which I live figures largely in my in my work. Wonderful, Donna. Well, I'm sad we have to leave it there, but I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. And again, congratulations on uh, being a recipient of the Medal of Good Citizenship. Thanks, Donna. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. That's Donna Kane, the uh, executive director of the Peace Liard uh, Regional Arts Council and recipient of the Medal of Good Citizenship from the province of B.C. We'll be right back to wrap things up on Moose Talks right after this. So the pandemic has made you realize that you need a new home. Now you hear about production delays, supplier shortages, out of stock. Will it ever end? Well, uh, yes. Jandell Homes has you covered with 27 heated show homes ready to view. Come find your perfect match. We have homes ready for immediate delivery, and we're still taking custom orders. But don't delay, because once they're gone, well, uh... Uh, I guess we'll also be out of stock, but not quite yet. Come get your new Jandell home today. 
Why City Furniture? Remember this? The little store that makes the big boys cry. City Furniture. Now, City Furniture has grown to over 20 locations. We're locally owned, but with the buying power of the big box stores. In fact, we're one of the larger retailers in Western Canada. And previously, we were named the Western Canadian Retailer of the Year. Appliances, furniture, mattresses. We don't sell, we help you buy. Growing for over 40 years. SETI Furniture on 100th in Fort St. John. If you're looking for hassle-free internet services, call the Peace Region Internet Society today. With coverage throughout most of the Peace, PRIS can get you connected quickly without the hassle of contracts or bundles. Visit pris.ca or call 1-800-768-3311 for more information. Our community first. This is Moose Talks with Dub Craig on Moose FM. My thanks to our guests for being on the show today, Aaron Collins from Northern Health and Donna Kane. Make sure you check out energeticcity.ca, your one-stop shop for local news in Fort St. John and the Peace. While there, you can also download episodes of this show at energeticcity.ca slash moose talks. If you prefer the video version, it should be available shortly to watch again on the Moose FM and energeticcity.ca Facebook pages. That does it for this episode, though. Moose Talks is produced by Adam Rayburn and Trey Lopashinsky. I'm Dub Craig. Be well. Join us next Friday at 10 a.m. for another episode of Moose Talks, a weekly talk show about Fort St. John and the North Peace. This is Moose Country. I love you just the way God made you, girl. He don't make mistakes. What you call your imperfections, I call beautiful, babe. Tell them, Blanc. In the mess in the morning when you open your eyes. The way you know it goes by when you say that you'll be ready in five. The little dimple on the side of his brown when you're laughing at a movie that you've seen about a thousand times. You know, girl, that I can lie. I love you just the way God made you, girl. He don't make mistakes. What you call your imperfections, I call beautiful. When you're mad, but you say that you're not. Yeah. And the shape of the face that you make when you're taking a shot. Taking a shot. The little white lie that you told the security guard at the hotel pool when we got caught. I was thinking, girl, you never look so high. Never look so high. And that I love you just the way God made you, girl. He don't make mistakes. What you call your imperfections, I call beautiful. Just the way God made
thank the good Lord I'm so blessed When I'm watching you slip on that dress My heart starts beating through my chest I can't explain what it does to me When you get that sweet look in your eyes The world stops turning on a dime You mess up this old heart of mine Every time you take your time It's like you're moving in slow motion, babe Everything you do is just below There it is right there, I'm in love And I can't help myself, my mind's already down the road On later on when we get home You make me wanna make your night Every time you take your time Shantae, and thank you for joining me for my last show here on Moose FM. I know it's okay, though. You still have two amazing hosts to listen to here. Today I'm talking about, let's say you could win an Olympic medal, but it has to be for something non-athletic. What would you win? So, like, let's, any Olympic event, any light, everyday life thing you do, you can now win a medal for. What are you the absolute best at that no one else can beat you? Let me know on the Fort City Chrysler text line, 250-800-2360. What does the future of our climate look like? Does your class have the answers? Register your team for the Northern Youth Climate Summit, May 20th and 21st. Nix will challenge youth to build a climate action plan for their school or community, and they won't be alone. They'll have help from some of the world's top climate scientists, energy industry leaders, leadership mentors, biologists, and more. Take on the biggest challenge facing our communities and our world. Register your team for Nix today at neat.ca. Admission is free. Open to students in grade 9 through 12. The Northern Youth Climate Summit. Hashtag Climb the Summit. 
Oh, glad you can make it. Micro Consulting Sales and Services Safe is in here. Think you can crack it? Every time someone tries and fails, $10 is added. Listen for this sound. When you hear that it's time to guess the code, guess the code from 1 to 100 for your chance to win what's in the safe. Micro Consulting Sales and Services Crack the Safe. Sponsored by Sun Life Financial, Peace Country Toyota, Armor Lubricants, HSC Homeschool Canada, and... Thanks for listening to this EnergeticCity.ca podcast. EnergeticCity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join.